As you may have guessed from the title, the history of everything sex may not be suitable for all audiences. Please use discretion. You want to say you're welcome? Welcome to the history of everything sex. I'm Melinda. I'm Terry. And we're bringing to you today the history of syphilis. Ooh, syphilis. 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 There's some syphilis going around, isn't there? There quite is. There is. There's an outbreak. Indeed. Today we're going to look into the history of syphilis, and believe it or not, it's really interesting. Mm, it really yeah. is. Yeah. Have you ever wondered who was the first person to get syphilis? Or before penicillin was available, how did people with syphilis get treated? All the time, I'm thinking. Right? What did we, what did we do before penicillin? Well, we're going to sort of answer those questions today, at least to the best of our ability from what Mr. Internet has mm -hmm. taught us. So first, we're going to quickly review syphilis. Okay. Also known as the great imposter. The great imposter? Yeah, not, not impasta. 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 <laughs> impasta. It's impostable. For those who have been out of school for a while or for those who never had the luxury of an adequate sex ed class. Okay. So, syphilis is spread through sexual contact, mm -hmm. usually vaginal or anal, but occasionally even through oral. It's a bacterial infection. When someone contracts syphilis, they develop an ulcer-like sore at the area of exposure. Okay. So, in other words, where the bacteria gets into the skin, the sore develops, and it looks painful, but it's not. And in fact, if you didn't see it, you wouldn't even know that you had it on your genitals which really sucks because it's super contagious. Okay. Well, wait a second. Okay. So I've seen pictures. Yes. In the, the medical books and whatnot. You're telling me that that doesn't hurt? No. Wow. I know. It looks like shingles or something. I think it looks like a crater, like oh. a, an ulcer. Yeah. Doesn't hurt at all. Jeez. So, I know. Yeah. I always say, if you look at it and you think it's your hurt, but it doesn't, you have syphilis. I always say that. Yes. All the time. All the time. You're always saying that. You just walk around saying that all you're the time. You're saying it to people. Grocery store. You think it's you know. poison ivy? Nope. Probably syphilis. Does it look like it hurts, but it doesn't? It's syphilis. It's syphilis. I say all the time. <laughs> um, so, uh, the lesion, you don't notice it, it'll just go away all on its own. The lesion appears two to three weeks after you've gotten yourself a little case of the syph, and it lasts about five weeks. However, even though the sore goes away, the infection does not go away. In fact, it progresses mm -hmm. from the primary stage to the secondary stage. So starting a few days to several weeks after the shanker, which is what that little painless ulcer is called. So is it like a, a canker? It's, Only it's called a shanker? It, it rhymes. Yeah, it does rhyme. Yes. <laughs> uh, so once the shanker goes away a rash develops from the back abdomen and sides out to the soles of the feet and the palms of the hands mm -hmm. the rash is round flat brownish or purple and it doesn't itch or hurt and you can sometimes develop a fever or fatigue also at the same time sometimes you even get balding like that alopecia Oh, okay. Um, sometimes you develop condyloma lata, 
which are wart-like growths on the genitals. Okay. They look like genital warts. They're a little bit bigger, um, and it's kind of hard to figure out what it is until you get the syphilis test back. So can I ask you a quick question? Uh-huh. So, so you get the syphilis, let's say, on your penis. Okay. You, you notice this non-painful ulcer. Yep. Crater-looking thing. Yep. Then after that goes away, you get a rash. Yep. And the rash doesn't have to be on your penis then. Nope. You're saying so that's where, okay. So that's where, like, I've I've heard of people getting it on their feet, especially if they've, like, just gotten out of prison or something, Mm -hmm. that, you know, that maybe they they feel like they've caught something, Mm -hmm. and then they find out they have syphilis, Mm -hmm. and then that, so I've never quite understood why you would get a rash on your feet or hands. Right. And I I don't know that I can say exactly why, but I can say that that initial sore, that's all about the fact of where the bacteria got into your skin. So like the area of exposure, the localized area develops the sore and then the sore heals. But as it's healing, the bacteria is actually spreading throughout your body. Mm. And then as it spreads throughout your body, then it causes this rash that's all over your body. And Mm -hmm. it is very distinct. I've seen it several times, especially on people at the palms of the hands. Mm -hmm. And at this point, like if I see it, I know immediately that it's syphilis. Mm -hmm. So, but again, this stage goes away on its own too. Hmm. So if you're like one of those people who's like, oh, you know, if it gets worse, then I'll go to the doctor. Or if it's not gone by Christmas, then I'll go see the doctor. So. After three to six weeks, even if you don't get any treatment, it's going to go away. And it may or may not come back in the first year. You might just have the rash. It goes away and you're like, well, whatever that was, I'm glad it went away. Mm -hmm. So then the syphilis goes to sleep in your body. Uh, In other words, it becomes latent. So that's latent syphilis. But while there's no symptoms during this phase, it may be just biding its time. In about 35% of cases, the infected person will go on to develop the third or tertiary stage. So if the syphilis travels to and attacks the spinal cord and brain, which sounds horrible, Mm -hmm. then the person can develop dementia, loss of balance, and ultimately go insane. Jeez. Mm. This occurs 5 to 20 years after primary syphilis, and it's called neurosyphilis. Jeez. Now, if instead the bacteria attacks the bones and skin, the person will develop lesions on the bone and skin. And these, these lesions are nasty looking and they cause deep bone pain, especially at night, which again, sounds so awful. Mm-hmm. Um, this is gummatous syphilis and usually shows up three to 12 years after the infection. So not everybody gets any one of these. Some get one of these, some get none of these. Mm -hmm. Another possibility is cardiovascular syphilis, which obviously affects the cardiovascular system, but specifically it affects the aorta. Mm -hmm. And this occurs 15 to 30 years after contracting syphilis. Jeez. Lastly, there's also the problem of congenital syphilis. Mm. Babies can contract syphilis from mom during her pregnancy and can have pretty significant effects from enlarged liver or spleen to deafness to facial deformities 
<laughs> like abnormal teeth and mouth or nasal cartilage collapse. So it's a pretty distinct, deformed. So if you could see, you might go, oh, that person mm -hmm. was born with syphilis. Yes. That's, that's so sad. I know. It is diagnosed by a simple blood test and it will show positive about three to six weeks after exposure. There's a nice little poem from 1920 that sums it all up. Okay. And this was actually, this is written by Anonymous, mm -hmm. and it's used sometimes in medical schools okay. for the doctor to be, doctors to be, to remember all about syphilis. Okay. So it's kind of like that little poem we had to remember the planets. Mm-hmm. There was a young man of Back Bay who thought syphilis just went away and felt that a shanker was merely a canker that went away in a week and a day. Now, at first he got acne vulgaris, mm -hmm. the kind that is rampant in Paris. We'll talk about that in a minute. Okay. It covered his skin from forehead to shin, and his friends all ask where his hair is. With symptoms increasing in number, his aorta's in need of a plumber, his heart is cavorting, his wife is aborting, and now he's acquired a guma. Gumma. Plumber. Plumber rhymes with gumma. Gummer. A gumma. Consider his terrible plight. His eyes won't react to the light. His hands are apraxic, his gait is ataxic, and he's developing gun barrel sight. That sounds very medical. Hmm. Maybe that's like tunnel vision. That sounds right to me. Yeah. His passions are strong as before, but his penis is flaccid and sore. <laughs> his wife now has tabies and saber-shinned babies. She's really worse off than a whore. Oh, my God. There are pains in his belly and knees. His sphincters have gone by degrees. Paroxysmal incontinence, with all its concomitants, brings on quite unpredictable peas. Though treated in every known way, his spirochets grow day by day. He's developed paresis, converses with Jesus, and thinks he's the queen of the May. That is... That pretty much sums it up. That is... That, that covered everything you right. just said. I could have just read that. First of all, why can't we just learn everything in a poem? I know. Yeah. All the stuff. Or even a rap song, just make it a rap. Something. We'll all remember it if you rap it. Yep. So, that's... that's That that's is quite... Gosh. It's something, huh? It's something. So, now that you're all up to speed on what the infamous STI syphilis is, let's mm -hmm. look at the first known cases. Hmm. Would you believe me if I told you that it was none other than Christopher Columbus and his crew that brought syphilis to Europe? I'm not surprised. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, many historians say that Chris and his boys arrived in America healthy, but came back to Italy carrying the old STD. Mm -hmm. Around this time, French troops invaded Italy, and this was the War of Naples in 1495. Next thing you know, bam, an outbreak of syphilis tore through the French troops, and before you know it, Syphilis was spreading all through Europe and soon after through Asia. Wow. Right. The name syphilis 
was invented by an Italian doctor slash poet, Fracastoro, mm. or Fracastoro. 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 In 1530, he wrote of a shepherd named, so they already knew of syphilis. It just didn't, they were, they called it the French disease. Mm -hmm. He wrote of a shepherd named Syphilis Mm -hmm. who cursed the sun god after a drought killed his flock. And in return, he was afflicted with the French disease. Hmm. Calling it the French disease was also his way of flipping off the French because he's Italian and they were just invaded by the French. Gotcha. So he just wrote this supposedly fictional story Mm -hmm. about this shepherd named Syphilis. Mm -hmm. And from then on, it was called Syphilis. It was called Syphilis. There you go. And then the whole Paris thing goes along with the the poem that we just heard. You're right. Look at you. See, I'm a good student. Yes. During Syphilis' first hundred years in the old world, which is Europe, uh, the infection caused much, much more significant and obvious signs than it does now. From stinky open sores and big ugly growths on the face and the body to bone weakness and deformities. In 1519, Ulrich von Hutten, hmm. I think it's Hutton, but I like to say Hutten. I like Hutten, yeah. Ulrich von Hooters <laughs> described it this way. Boils that stood out like acorns, from whence issued such filthy stinking matter, the color of these was dark green, the pain itself was as if the sick had lain upon a fire. Golly. Horrible. That sounds awful. I don't like it. Uh Uh-uh. Another description from the German humanist. I don't know what a humanist is. Do you think it's like an anthropologist? Humanist? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Someone that knows about humans? I guess. Well, this was Joseph Grunpeck, Mm -hmm. who had syphilis himself. Hmm. And he said it was, quote, so cruel, so distressing, so appalling that until now nothing more terrible or disgusting has ever been known on this earth jeez that's saying a lot joe that's a little dramatic that is sheesh sheesh so people with obvious signs of syphilis were treated horribly they were accused of being dirty sinners Mm. because you know everything was a curse right right from god Mm -hmm. if you lived a, a good life and you were a good person, and you wouldn't get this You wouldn't stuff. get syphilis, right. So, of course, the doctors were desperate to find a cure for the gross disease. So, the first treatment was used was a guaiacum, guaiacum, oh, guaiacum <laughs> mixture made from a medicinal plant, which eventually was deemed to be of absolutely no benefit whatsoever. Hmm. Good thing they finally figured that out. Right. Thanks for nothing. Move right. on. So, next, mercury was used. Hmm. Most people now know that mercury is basically poison if a person's given or exposed to too much. Mm-hmm. That fact was known even in the 1500s, but the trick was to use just enough mm. to cure the diseases, but not so much as to kill the patient, which of course led to many mercury-related deaths. Huh. Correct. Interesting. Do you remember the old glass thermometers? Uh-huh. And they had the mercury uh-huh. on I can't believe we ever let... I, when I was oh. a kid, I put it in my mouth, and then if you bite the it... The thermometer, right? You die. You get, <laughs> listen to this. My grandpa, mm-hmm. we called him Papa, mm-hmm. my Papa, had a 
little medicine bottle that had mercury in it. Just mercury. Really? Yes. Me and my brother used to play with it. <laughs> I swear to God. Shut up. No, it was, you pour it in your hand because it was just amazing because it didn't stick. It, it didn't stick to anything. It was kind of had a life of its own. Like a like you could, silver liquid. Yes, it was just a silver liquid that you could break apart into little bitty balls of the liquid really? and then watch them. Yes, almost like they were magnets. That's crazy. And we played with it all the time. We'd have it in our hands. I'm sure we didn't wash really? our hands. I swear to God. That yes, is it was nuts. a little, and it was like a little, it was like a pill bottle, mm -hmm. and it had the mercury in it. I don't know how he got it. I don't know why he had it. Don't know if he ever but used it. But we played with it. I don't know what he Maybe would do he had with the it. Sif. Maybe. Syphilitic. But we played with that mercury. Yes. Wow. Have you ever heard of the, oh, I forget what they're called, like the... Maybe that's what's the wrong. The glowing with me. girls or something. Oh, the uranium girls. Thank you. Yes, that's where they would lick the, yes. the paintbrush. The paintbrush. Before, yes, and then they all. I guess that's not mercury. It's uranium. Yeah, that's uranium. Mm -hmm. But I, I think of when I, when I was listening to a podcast about the uranium girls, mm -hmm. I was thinking about how my brother and I used to play with this little bottle of mercury, little, like it was nothing. Yeah, bottom just, of bottle of radioactive poison yes there I'm you go so awful why did anybody stop us it all makes sense now it does doesn't mm, it mm. so there were three ways that mercury was used to treat syphilis mm -hmm. pills of course salves i hate that word salves 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 or ointments mm -hmm. applied to the syphilitic growths and sores or through fumigation stoves so these were these Space capsule-like enclosures, mm -hmm. the infected would be closed into the stove, and pots of cinnabar oh my God. would be heated over a flame in the contraption, Yeah, which, when cinnabar was heated, it released mercury vapors, which would be absorbed through the skin. So you're basically in, like, a, a sauna. Right. Of yes, sorts. exactly. That's a syphilis a good, sauna. Yes. Yes. And there's a 1659 painting by Jacques Lagnant, I guess, of a person in a fumigation stove. And seriously, it looks like a very basic capsule with a window. Mm -hmm. And pots are being placed in the bottom below the person. And on the outside, in the painting, on the outside are the words, and translated, they say, for a pleasure, a thousand pains. It's also been translated. Well, that was a popular proverb back in the 1500s. Mm -hmm. But it's also been translated to a night with Venus, a life with Mercury. Ah. Uh, Isn't that clever? That's pretty clever. That's clever. I do. I do like that. So how much Mercury did one need? Well, enough to cause them to produce liters of saliva each day, which was actually an early sign of overdose. But it was thought that the body could get rid of the infection by drooling or spitting it out. Mercury was the treatment of choice for 200 years. Jeez. 200 years? Up until 1906, when scientists were able to discern the infection-causing bacteria and developed a medicine called salverson, which was made from a form of arsenic. Hmm. Again, a poison. A poison. A poison. Poison's everywhere. This was the prescribed treatment up until the 1940s, when we finally were blessed with penicillin. So Salverson was effective. Mm -hmm. wasn't the safest, but it was effective. 
All right, so now we have to discuss the truly ugly part of the history of syphilis. All that sounded gross and disgusting and appalling, but it's nothing compared to this. So, the Tuskegee experiment. This sounds familiar. Mm -hmm. As much as I despise it, it happened, so we can't pretend it didn't. Mm -hmm. So, here's how it went. In 1932, in Macon County, Alabama, the U.S. Public Health Service which was later called the CDC, mm -hmm. recruited, i.e. deceived, 600 black men for the Tuskegee study of untreated syphilis in the Negro male, mm -hmm. better known as the Tuskegee experiment. Okay. Of these men, 399 had syphilis and 201 did not. The men were told that they were being given medications to cure their bad blood, which at the time was a term used for syphilis, as well as any other infection. Mm -hmm. Like if you were sick, you had bad blood, you needed this medicine, it would go away. Mm -hmm. So they were being told, you have bad blood, we're going to give you this medicine, and then we're going to keep an eye on you and see what mm -hmm. happens. In compensation for, quote unquote, joining the study, the men were promised free medical exams and treatment, free meals, Oh, and full payment of burial service when they die. Oh, God. Right. Okay. Cryptic. So those who had syphilis were not told of their diagnoses. All the men were given placebo medication, had their blood drawn, and were monitored. The Alabama Health Department mm -hmm. and local doctors were forbidden from treating the men. In 1941, some men were drafted and diagnosed with syphilis through the draft, but researchers had the men removed from the military rather than treated. Wow. Yes. Even as penicillin was proven to easily cure syphilis in 1947, the Tuskegee men were left untreated and allowed to develop worsening effects, including blindness, insanity, and death. Jeez. The objective was to see the natural progression of syphilis. So, in order to get their research done correctly, mm -hmm. you had to just let the syphilis do whatever it wanted and then just take notes. Jeez. I know. So, Peter Bruxton is our hero of the day. Mm -hmm. He was an STI investigator with the Public Health Service. In the mid-60s, he became aware of the fuckery happening in Macon County. Mm -hmm. And finally, someone with humanity. He went to his superiors and he implored them to stop the torture and murder of these men. So a committee was formed. Everybody's got to have their damn committee. Yeah. A committee was formed to decide how to proceed. And these idiots decided the study should continue. In fact... They signed off on permitting the experiment to continue until all the subjects passed away and had autopsies. God. Peter, I assume, mm -hmm. was furious, mm -hmm. but he had another trick up his sleeve. Go, Peter. <laughs> Go, Peter. <laughs> he reached out to Gene Heller, a reporter with the Associated Press. Good job, buddy. Good job. Now you're thinking. Yep. 40. 40 years after the unethical bastards began the Tuskegee experiment, Gene broke the story in the New York Times on November 16, 1972. And as one would expect, people were outraged. 
It which took 40 years? 40 damn years. Wow. 40 years. Which finally put an end to the lies and mistreatment. 74 of the original 600 were still alive at this point. Wow. 28 men in the study had died of syphilis. 100 more died of syphilis-related complications. 40 spouses had been infected with syphilis. And sadly, 19 children had been born with congenital syphilis. Mm. All because of this experiment. Right. Which I was doing the math, and I'm like, there's some people missing. But then I realized, like, they were grown men when this study started. So 40 years later, a lot of them had just passed away of passed other away of things. Like natural. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I had to take a minute to figure right, it out. I'm right, like, right, wait right, a minute, right. this math isn't adding up. Mm-hmm. Where's the rest of the... Well, you you know, there's other reasons to pass away besides that. Mm-hmm. So um, the NAACP filed a class action lawsuit in 1973 and the hearings started a year later. The survivors and family of those who had passed were given $10 million in an out-of-court settlement along with quote-unquote free medical care for those survivors and those affected. Hmm. So those who are still alive got free medical care. Isn't that nice of them? Yeah, so nice of you. Oh my gosh. Yes. New ethical research guidelines were written and put into practice. The site of the Tuskegee experiment, then called the Tuskegee Institute, was replaced with the Tuskegee University, with mm. Booker T. Washington as its first teacher. Hmm. In 1997, Bill Clinton made a public apology to the eight surviving men and to the families of those who had passed. He also announced the establishment of the Tuskegee University's National Center for Bioethics in Research and Healthcare. And in 2004, the last of the Tuskegee experiment victims passed away. Aww. But wait, there's more. Oh. During all of this, Mm -hmm. from 1946 to 1948, 700 people in Guatemala were purposely exposed to syphilis to find out if penicillin could prevent contraction of the infection. Mm -hmm. These were prisoners, soldiers, and mentally ill, both men and women, and many of those who became infected weren't given treatment. The results of this study were never even published, and Dr. John Cutler, the asshat who ran the study, went on to become a leading researcher at Tuskegee. After his death, records were recovered that revealed that besides the 700 people infected with syphilis, hundreds of others were exposed to various other STDs in the name of research. After the discovery of these documents by historian Susan Reverby, she took her findings to the U.S. government. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and Secretary of Health and Human Services Kathleen Sebelius issued an apology and Barack Obama called and apologized to the Guatemalan government, even though the government in Guatemala in the 40s had actually been aware and agreed to this experiment. Mm. So, kind of like, what, what do you apologize right, for? Right, what do you apologize for? But, right. I guess. So, we wonder why people, especially people of color, don't trust the CDC and the new vaccine. Right, right. And doctors in general. Yep. Makes complete sense. It's a pretty sense. shitty story. Mm-hmm. I hate it. Right. I hate it. Went on to 1972. 
That's Again, crazy. I mean, I know yeah, it's 50 it's years just, ago, but it still feels like it it's, that it's long not ago. snow, right? It doesn't feel like it's something that should have taken place in our time at all or even close to our time. That's right. nuts. Right. And so much of it at the time was, I mean, it was all racist bullshit. Ugh. So I want to talk about some famous people in history who had syphilis. Mm. But first, I want to share two poems with you. I'm all about poems. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. I love it. There was a Dr. Adalbert Bettman. Mm-hmm. You should name your your next kid because I'm sure you're going to have Adalbert. Adalbert. He was a pioneer in reconstructive plastic surgery. In 1931, he wrote a book of poetry. I love that these doctors are also poets. Yeah. So cool. I don't see too many doctors today writing a damn No, poems. they don't. No, they're not. They need to get on it. Right. He wrote a book of poetry. Each poem was about a patient he had actually seen. And he changed the names, but each poem was given a person's name. Okay. So, um, and some were more like riddles where he'd tell the patient's symptoms or complaints, but he wouldn't specifically tell you the ailment. So, I guess some medical students at some point were like, oh, this is so fun. Let's try to figure out what the person had by reading the poem. Mm -hmm. So, these two poems were about a wife and a husband. So first we have Kate Healy, okay. and the poem goes, I am sure that I was always healthy before I became Mrs. Daniel Healy, and Daniel said that he was always healthy before I became his wife. But poor little Daniel will never see the beauty of the flowers nor the colors of the landscape. That's depressing. Right. Because he was born blind. Yeah, so here's Daniel Healy. Okay. I always got away clean when I went out with the boys. The night before I was married, I went out, but was not so fortunate. And I infected my bride. When little David was born, his eyes discharged. And I dared not tell that because I had seen too much, little Daniel sees not at all. Oh my gosh. That's so dark. I know. That's so dark. All right, so here's... Jeez. <laughs> moving on. Yeah. So here's a little list of some people you may have heard of that mm-hmm. are rumored to have had and or died of syphilis. Okay. Blackbeard the pirate. Well. Right? I mean, all the pillaging. All the booty. I'm sure he was not rapping that. <laughs> Leo Tol- Tolstoy, who's the author of War and Peace. Oh. Hmm. Napoleon. Oh, I think I did hear that. Did you? That Napoleon had syphilis. Somebody like that. Yeah. He Ivan the angry. T- right. Ivan the Terrible. Oh, he was even more angry. Probably why he was terrible. Right, right. Howard Hughes, which I'd heard the name. I had to kind of look it up yeah. a little bit. He was um, a business magnate, an aviator. He produced the movie Scarface. Okay. He was like super rich. Mm-hmm. And in his time, he was like one of the most famous people like in okay. the early... 1900s. Yeah. Oscar Wilde, who's the author. author of The Picture of Dorian Gray. Okay. Russian leader Lenin. Oh. Which I think Stalin, Lenin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, more famously, Vincent Van Gogh. I thought there was an artist. Yes. Yes. There were a few, but some I was not, I didn't know, I wasn't familiar with most of them, mm-hmm. but obviously we all know Van Gogh. And you know, one of the things about syphilis is that it literally makes you crazy. Mm-hmm. And so the reason that they either suspect or more mm-hmm. or less know that some of these people had it was because they went crazy. And if yeah. 
you remember the story of Van Gogh. He cut off his ear. Right. He literally went crazy living at his brother's house, and he ended up shooting himself. Right, right. And so, you know, they now contribute all of that to syphilis. insanity to syphilis. Right. Yeah. Hitler. Oh. Didn't, so, didn't know that. I didn't know this story, and it almost seems like a little too convenient. Yeah. But it's also very interesting. Hmm. The story goes that Hitler had sex with a Jewish prostitute in 1908. And that this may have led to his madness and possibly even the Holocaust. And so that's why he was so mad. Yes. The Jewish people. Exactly. Huh. In Mein Kampf, which is the book that he wrote, Mm -hmm. there's 13 pages about syphilis. Hmm. And he says, the quote, The job of combating syphilis, the Jewish disease, be the task of the entire German nation. Mm-hmm. The health of the nation will be regained only by eliminating the Jews. Wow. Right. So, like, legit. Like, he wrote it down that, that this the is Jews. This is what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Kind of reminds me of a recent thing about I was the Chinese. just thinking that. I was Chinese just thinking virus? that. Yeah. Yeah, the hmm. China virus and trying to... Peg that against. Yeah. Hmm. 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 Not the uh, first time a comparison hmm. to Hitler has been made. Hmm. Right. Beethoven was suspected to perhaps have had congenital syphilis because he was born deaf. Mm-hmm. Um, he was also blind, wasn't he? No. He wasn't blind? No. I thought he was both. No, he was deaf. Okay. Which is why it was so amazing that he was such he a could, great right. composer. Right, right, Yes, right. because he was deaf. No, he wasn't blind. That I know of. Hmm. Um, so there's some that think that he was um, born with syphilis, and others think that he contracted it later in life from prostitutes. Mm-hmm. It's always the prostitutes. It's always the prostitutes. Yes. Right. Um, and then Al Capone, which we all know, he's a famous Chicago yeah. gangster. Mm-hmm. So his first job was as a bouncer at a brothel. Hmm. And he couldn't resist. He had to sample the goods. Yeah. So he contracted syphilis. But he was too proud or too ashamed to seek treatment. He was a teenager. Wow. He was arrested and convicted of tax evasion in 1931. Mm-hmm. He went to an Atlanta prison until Alcatraz opened in 1934. Around this time, his neurological decline from syphilis was evident. He couldn't follow simple instructions and always had this weird grin on his face. His wife fought for his release and finally was able to take him home to Florida in November of 1939. On record, he was released on good behavior. Mm -hmm. His mental and physical health continued to worsen, and around the time of his death in 1947, at age 48, he was said to have the mental capacity of a 12-year-old with delusions and hallucinations. He was super young. (coughs) Exactly. So the fact that, okay, so he was 48 when he died. Mm Mm-hmm. And what year was that? In 47? Mm-hmm. And when he went to prison in... 1931. 1931, 47. That's, he, was, he was in prison for 11 years. Okay. So he he contracted no, right. syphilis when he was a teenager. Yeah. But then he, went to prison he was when he in was prison in his for 30s. eight years. Okay. Yes. Okay. He, okay, was, okay. he would have been 32 when he first went to prison. Okay. He was in there for eight years. And, I mean... To think of him being this 
you know, badass uh-huh. on the outside. Yeah. You know, this mobster. Yeah. And they said when he was in prison, I mean, it was like talking to someone who was severely mentally handicapped. Huh. So, yeah. And it just kept getting worse. That's crazy. And they That's... did even try to treat him with penicillin eventually, uh-huh. but it was too late. He was, yeah. But he would, like, walk around the... Oh, his wife would take him on little trips down to the local, like, convenience store. Yeah. And he would get so excited because he loved dentine gum. Mm-hmm. And, but they said he was very childlike. Oh. Yeah. So that's, lastly. That's nuts. So lastly, there's a theory that Abe Lincoln had syphilis. Huh. As the story goes, Abe kept Abe kept company with some prostitutes prior to marrying Mary Todd. Mm-hmm. Of their four sons, only one lived to be an adult. Hmm. Mary, who's thought to have contracted the disease from Abe, became insane later in her life. She used to wander the streets of Chicago. She bought a shit ton of drapes, even when she didn't have a house. She bought a shit ton of children's gloves, like 84 pair, and just no reason, just, mm-hmm. just bought them. Her eyesight went, she developed paralysis of her legs. So all this happened, you know, later in life before she passed away. Yeah. Lincoln's friend and biographer said that Abe had admitted to contracting syphilis in 1935 or 36. Mary Todd's autopsy showed clear evidence of tertiary syphilis. Wow. Right. But when you read about the sons passing away, because they Mm -hmm. each passed, one even passed away at like age 11, it's due to like some other infection. So... It's not like the history books don't say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That they were born with congenital syphilis and therefore they died. Mm-hmm. It's a, I think one might have been like tuberculosis or oh, pneumonia gotcha. or whatever. Right. But now looking back mm-hmm. at all the like stuff that was written at the time that it happened, when you look back, it's like, oh, well, I think they all had syphilis. Mm-hmm. So that's Crazy. the story. Mm-hmm. So, to wrap this up, I just wanted to say that according to the CDC, in, ni- in, 19. in, <laughs> in, 19, in 2020, 100, 133,945 cases of syphilis were reported in the United States. And this is up 6.8% from the previous year. In 2020, 2,148 Cases of congenital syphilis were reported. Wow. But we can put a man on the moon, but we can't keep people from getting syphilis. That's nuts. And you tell them what to do to prevent it. Right. And I remember when I was working in the hospitals 15 years ago, it became this thing of the doctors were told, like, you have to start testing every pregnant woman for syphilis mm-hmm. because this is an epidemic and because it was almost gone at one so point. So is it something if if someone had syphilis and they were pregnant, is there, is there something that could be done yes. to prevent it from spreading to? there? Yes. Okay. I don't know that it's 100% effective, uh-huh. but yeah, you would treat her for the syphilis with penicillin mm-hmm. and then in theory, the baby wouldn't be born with it. Okay. So, 
but if they're born with congenital syphilis, then I don't think that you can just give them penicillin and it goes away. And it goes away, right? Yeah. So if someone today mm -hmm. were to contract syphilis mm -hmm. and do the right thing and get themselves taken, get, get, get tested mm -hmm. and say like, okay, this uh, shanker mm -hmm. doesn't seem right. Uh, let me go get this looked at. Let me get the test done. Oh, now this is spread to my feet, whatever it might be. They get treated. Yep. One dose of penicillin. And then they're done. They're done. So then as long as they get treated, they're not going to have these side effects later in life. Correct. It stops it. It kills the bacteria. It doesn't mm -hmm. let it travel. It doesn't let it grow. It it gets killed. Mm-hmm. Yep. So listen, friends. <laughs> right? Get your yearly, at least, at the very minimum, STI test done. Yes. Check for syphilis. Right. And everything. It's so easy. It's a blood test. It is. And if it comes back, you know, some people are like, well, I don't want to know because, no, this is not that situation. Yeah. This is, you need to know so you can get a stupid shot. Right. One shot mm -hmm. and you're done. And you're done. Right. As opposed to being Al Capone mm -hmm. and becoming 12-year-old mentally. Right, right, right. And he used to I sit in I had no his, idea about that, about He used Al Capone. to sit in his overheated jail cell in like his winter coat and his gloves and his scarf which i didn't know you got all that stuff when you were in prison but right or maybe he was he a little special because he well, was a he was special all right right and then last but not least our little fact for you as of 2020 let's talk about the states with the most and least reported cases of syphilis okay so you can see my paper so did you already look mm -mm. What do you think of 50 states is the most, is the highest incidence of syphilis? Um, my brain wants to go to like a big city, but then I'm like, wait a second. It's got to be, hmm. Like it might, like I, I want to... Say Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I know Las Vegas isn't a state. Okay. I'm just saying. I'm glad you know Be that. But because, <laughs> oh, so Las Vegas, Nevada. Mm -hmm. So because Nevada, uh, prostitution's legal. Mm -hmm. But you also would think, well, because it's legal, there'd be more restrictions. They would take more care of themselves, maybe. Mm -hmm. So it kind of makes me not want to say Nevada. Mm -hmm. Um. I'm going to say California. It's Nevada. Oh. Which, exactly what you just said is why I was surprised. Because you would think that, you know, they say, oh, it's prostitutes, it's prostitutes. Right. But then where it's legal, they're regulating it so much more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would, but it's, it's Nevada. But then I was thinking California is so close to Nevada mm. that maybe people would go into Nevada, give... The ladies in Nevada, the syphilis, oh. and they go back to California. Yeah, because just because they're testing the prostitutes doesn't mean the prostitutes don't have it. Right. The sex workers, I think. Is sex workers, yes, sex yes, workers. yes, let's say the right so, Definitely. So, yeah, maybe that's what it is, is that they test them so much and so often that it's a higher incidence. Ah. Whereas you would think in these, you know, some states that don't have a whole lot of, like, um... STI clinics, right? They're not getting tested. They're not getting so tested. So it's a lower. So, that, so you're gonna yeah, find more, just like with any. If you it. find that there's a, you know, um, 
you know, patients that would go, they would go to an ER or mm-hmm. whatever and talk about their symptoms. And then the ER would say, well, here, it sounds like it's chlamydia. So let's give you medicine for chlamydia and then never test them. Exactly. So we don't know for sure yep. whether or not they actually had the chlamydia. Correct. So um, that they're doing more testing probably and finding more right. cases. So data is data, but it's not mm-hmm. always 100% accurate because of that. The other thing, um, they're finding now that there's a lot less cases of certain infections, especially STDs, in 2021. Mm-hmm. But... They, the the truth is that the reason that there's less positives is because there was less testing because of coronavirus. So, uh, you know, right. we weren't doing a whole lot of like, oh, you don't have symptoms. Still, you should come in and get tested. No, it was like, if you don't have symptoms, stay home. We'll go ahead and, and prescribe s- this to you. Yeah. And or so, whatever. so yeah. many people just weren't getting tested. Right. Maybe they would get treated without testing or maybe they just didn't get screened because you can have STDs with no symptoms. Right. You right. know, so until things kind of started opening up again, people just weren't yeah. getting tested. It's almost like we got a, a glitch. Exactly. Like we got a hiccup in the... In the bell curve. In the... Yes. Right. right. The statistics yes. are askew. They are askew. Askew! That's what I was looking for. So the top three states for syphilis in 2020. Number one is Nevada. Number two is California. So you were on to something oh, there. okay. Okay. Number three is Mississippi. And I just don't know why. Uh, that's weird. Yeah. Um, and then the three least, uh, 48 was Wisconsin. Number 40. cold. All right. Number 49. These are all cold. Okay. 49 is Connecticut. Okay. And number 50 is Vermont. Okay. Those, yeah, so, I guess those all kind of make sense. Either it's too cold to have a lot of sex. Yeah. Or it's too cold to go get checked. Right. Because you just want to stay in the house. You just want to stay in the house. it's wintry right. cold. Right. So. Interesting. I need you, uh, if you're sexually active, you need to brave the winter. Yes. Get your galoshes on, hop on your snowmobile, and go to your local STI clinic and get tested and treated. Yes. Yes. You know what else is going to skew? Is going to skew? You know what else is going to skew the results? What? A lot of states now are allowing for partner treatment without testing. Mm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. if a person goes, they get a positive uh, chlamydia test. Then when they're told by their medical professional, oh, your test came back positive for chlamydia, I'm going to give you medicine. Do you also need medicine for a partner or partners? Right. And they can say yes. And then, of course, those partners aren't going to get tested. Right. They're just going to take the so medicine. So is that done with um, syphilis as well? See, I don't think it is because syphilis is a shot. Okay. So, so they would have to come in for that. Yeah. There is one. There's an alternative treatment, which is pills. So my guess is that, like, you know, say the female comes in, she has syphilis, and they're like, your partner really needs to get treated, tested, whatever. She might be like, there's no way. Like, he won't do it. He hates shots. He Mm -hmm. hates doctors. He doesn't have any money. He doesn't have any insurance. Then they might say, okay, I'll tell you what. We'll give him the the pills pills that potentially are a little less effective, but it's better than nothing. Right. So I guess in that case, it is possible to mm-hmm. treat partners. Um, now, do you know how long? So someone goes goes in for a routine testing, or maybe they have a a rash or something mm-hmm. that they want looked at, mm-hmm. and it's suspicious. Run the tests. It's syphilis. Mm-hmm. They get treated. Mm-hmm. How soon after? Because I mean, we both know that people, you know, kind of going a little frenzy about these types of things and mm-hmm. they want to keep getting tested. 
and retested right. to make sure something hasn't come back or that it did work. So when should someone go in for a repeat test? The interesting thing about syphilis is mm-hmm. most STIs, when it's treated, the person will be told you should get re, re you should get retested in three months mm-hmm. to for a test of cure to test make sure cure. it got cured. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which really, that's not actually the truth. The truth is, seventeen percent of people with an STD get reinfected. Either their partner doesn't get treated or they don't tell their partner, whatever, or they don't finish the medicine, whatever the case might be. So, or they think you're getting tested. We're, we're both taking the medicine. So it's okay that we have sex during the treatment. During the treatment. Exactly. So we're really, they're really getting checked to see if they got reinfected. But with syphilis, when they're treated with penicillin, the, CDC says that they should actually be followed up closely for a while because Mm -hmm. when you get a positive result, it's a ratio. So -hmm. it might be like, oh, your result is 1 to 256. Mm -hmm. So in order to know that you were treated adequately, then like four to six weeks later, that 256 number should go down by like to a fourth. So if you go back six weeks later and now your number's one to 64, then they know that you've been treated adequately and that you are getting rid of your syphilis. As that number goes down, and it'll go down to one to two or one to one, Mm -hmm. but it may stay one to two or one to one your whole life. So technically that's a positive, but because you would tell your provider, I've had syphilis before, it's been treated, then when you get the positive, they're also going to look at the ratio. If it's one to one, one to two, they're going to be like, oh, okay, then that's a negative for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Very interesting. Well, I did not know all that about syphilis. Isn't that something? That is something. I just love the whole Christopher Columbus thing like that. Yeah. That guy has gotten more shit in the last yep. decade or whatever. Yep. You know, it's like he used to be hailed as a hero when we were younger. Yeah. And then let's, oh, uh, let me Columbus. tell you the truth right. about Mr. Christopher. Christopher. So. Well. All thank right. you, Melinda. That was very educational. Absolutely. That was fun. That was fun. All right. Well, we will see you all next time. Later.